welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast, where information is king, drinking is mandatory, and the beer is always flowing. Now, let's check in with your hosts and see what's on draft in this session. Welcome to episode 23 of the Craft Beer Showdown. In this very special Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week 2014 edition, I got the chance to sit down with uh, Zach Shoemaker from Shoe Brew in Zelianople, Pennsylvania, to talk all about his brew pub, uh, making small batch beers, and what a good small local brewery like Shoe Brew means to the craft beer world. I got the chance to hear all about his story, hear how Shoe Brew was started, and I got to try some of his beers too, from the collaboration Steel Town Brand at 6.5%. Uh, to the awesome Rye IPA, No Woman No Rye at 10%. A whole lot of beers, a whole lot of fun. So sit back, listen to the show, and hopefully you are enjoying Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week if you're around Pittsburgh. If not, go out and enjoy your Craft Beer Week. And if you don't have one, maybe you need to start one. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown. I'm sitting here today in Shoe Brew with uh, owner, founder, just a little bit of everything of the place, uh, Zach Shoemaker. Zach, hi. How's it going? Pretty good. It's been a uh, very long day of craft beer week. Um, Started at 8 a.m. with uh, some beer and cereal pairings, but went home, took a little nap, came back, and we're good to do some uh, more drinking and a little bit of podcasting. Nice. Um, So... I came out here to talk to Zach because it is Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week, and I know a lot of people listening aren't from Pittsburgh, and that's okay, but um, most big cities have their own Craft Beer Week, and the big idea of Craft Beer Week is to support local craft beer and to give people information about it, so what better way than to go to uh, a somewhat new local uh, you know, small brew pub where there's some really good stuff going on. I think that's the core of craft beer movement and what's great about craft beer. So, like I said, what better way to celebrate Craft Beer Week than to talk to a you know really great local craft brewer? So, uh, I, I guess to get started, when uh, when did you found Shoe Brew? Like, how did that get started? Well, the whole the entire concept goes back to probably 2007. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps and I was stationed out in San Diego. Which, of course, is, you know, probably one of the best craft beer meccas in the country. Definitely. And I uh, I was about six months away from, you know, getting out of the Marine Corps, and I got a random letter one day that just said, you know, we just did a random audit on your, on your paycheck, and we noticed that since the time that you were in boot camp, uh, we've been overpaying you about $72 a paycheck and we need all that money back and you know you know you don't make a lot of money while you're in the Marine Corps so it's not like I had $6,500 laying around and I had six months to pay it back so some buddies in mine had been for a few months now going out to Stone Brewing Company every Saturday and like doing the tour and they didn't have a restaurant at the time and uh, we had gone the one Saturday and they were saying, hey, we uh, we are opening a restaurant, which has since become the, the World Bistro and Gardens. Um, and we're looking for, you know, anybody who wants to work in our kitchen, you know, 
experience, not required. We've got positions of all sorts. And I'm like, at this point, I would love to work doing anything for this company because I think they have yeah. such a cool attitude about the craft beer scene and, you know, whatever. So I was hired as their dishwasher and prep cook. And that's how I made up the money that I owed back to the to the government. And when I'm working there, it's like you come to realize, like, they treat everyone there like, you know, they're such an integral part of the the craft beer community. If I'm, like, washing dishes, it's like, all right, but this is why you have to scrub the glassware so the beer is, like, nice and fresh tasting and doesn't cling to the glass and, you know, the, all the way down to, like, you know, you could be the janitor there and they make sure everybody knows every detail about the brewing process and it just makes you feel like, wow, like this is such a cool community to be to be a part of. And then, you know, taking a step back from it, I was like noticing, you know, these guys are pretty cool with their attitude and they uh you know, they they carry a level of arrogance about themselves that you don't see mm-hmm. in a whole lot of industries. And I never really wanted to be a brewer. I wasn't a home brewer or anything at this point. But being mm-hmm. a brewer wasn't ever a goal of mine. But having seen like how they handle the beer community and they're like you know what we're gonna do whatever we want it made me really want to be a brewery owner um and so i got out of the marine corps and immediately i came home i incorporated the name shoe brew uh or i you know i yeah i put it under an llc and that was back in 2010 and my wife and i have been working up until last september when we actually opened to get the, the brew pub started um and the whole idea in mind has always been you know i want to own a brewery because like i'm fascinated with you know the marketing of the beers and that level of arrogance that i learned at stone i really wanted to carry over where it's like we're not going to make beers that you like we're going to make beers that we like and you'll either like them or not and hopefully you're going to like them mm-hmm. um but if not you know there's a million other breweries making beers that we don't like so that was something that you know we strive to do and uh yeah that's kind of how it all got started in a nutshell no i know you say uh arrogance but i think at least what i think you mean by it is not so much arrogance like we think of it like we're so much better than you but a being sure of yourself in the fact that what you're doing is good and it's that, that's really what I pick up from you guys here and from from specifically Stone is a it's a level of confidence yeah and it's a level of yeah I mean it really comes down to we're gonna do what we like and we'll educate you and you'll understand why we like it and nine out of ten times people are gonna end up enjoying the same things um, it's really a level you know it's a matter of educating people about like why beers are uh the way that they're made and why we don't you know people come in what's your lightest beer and on certain nights our lightest beer is going to be our american brown ale and i tell people that and you know more often than not if someone comes in and asks for a light beer and i say taste my brown ale they taste it they're like wow that's really good and they'll sit down and have two or three pints um, and that's their introductory step, and it's funny to think that a brown ale is a light beer, but to some people, like, they've just never had a good beer that they've liked. Um, well, it's funny you mentioned the, the brown beer, because I uh, I did a show a while ago about uh, what we call bridge beers, 
And uh, what we decided was the best bridge beer was a brown ale. It just seems that a lot of people's first really good craft beer is a brown ale. Like yeah. in the Pittsburgh area, uh, Fat Gary from East End sure. uh, seems to be one that you can find a lot of places that Absolutely. You know, seems to be good. You find a lot of people doing Newcastle and you know and those, but I agree with you totally that if you give somebody a brown ale, it's, it's a really probably the best stepping stone you could get, you know, because it's... Everyone worries about color and lightness and darkness. and I always tell the customers, you know, you can't go by color and you yeah. can't go by a name. Everybody automatically assumes that your pale ale is going to be, you know, the most approachable beer because yeah. they expect just a really pale ale. But, you know, they don't anticipate all the hop character that's in it. And maybe that's something they're not accustomed to. But a brown ale, you know, it's got, you know, some hints of chocolate and very mild roast. It's nice and malty, but you're not going to get a whole lot of hop character. And people end up... Yeah, being uh, pretty infatuated with the style. Yeah, and speaking of that, the, it's Murphy's Paw, right? Well, this is, yeah, Murphy's Paw is my English brown porter. Okay. Um, Downtown Murphy Brown is my brown ale. Oh, okay. Um, Murphy's Paw was a beer that we conceptualized uh, before we ever opened, uh, far before, and it was a robust porter at the time. And I was never really happy with the recipe. It had some black patent in it, which um, I, I don't think came across too too well in the brown ale. And I, I kind of removed it from our... I, we never actually served it um, in the restaurant until about two or three months ago after I reworked the recipe because we had come up with this brown ale at the time that people were going nuts over. And so... I scrapped the idea of doing the robust porter for the time, and I had made this brown porter recipe that everybody seemed to have been really infatuated with. It has the, the marisotter uh, as the base grain in there, and to me, in this beer with the chocolate notes and the marisotter, like, it sounds really strange. When I drink it, I think of, like, um like a cake cone, like, a, like, of a, like an ice cream cake cone. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a lot of that, like that body in there and um we're like well hell this can be the new murphy's um the new murphy's paw so we we changed what murphy's paw was from a robust to a brown porter and we're really happy with it now and we we alternate back and forth between this and the downtown murphy brown murphy's our dog and hmm. uh that's that's where it got its name his okay. name was actually murphy brown and so we figured we had to have a namesake beer for him of course so we kind of talked about like what you did before Shubrew and how you got into it. Um, so before Stone, how did you get into craft beer? Like, was there, uh, you know, a certain beer that you tried that you were just amazed with and wanted to learn more about it? Or yeah, I mean, it really was Stone that got me into craft beer. Okay. Um, so living on the Marine Corps base, you know, we were fortunate that the all the alcohol was really inexpensive on base. And so I'd go into the liquor store, or the, the beer store on base or whatever, and they'd have bomber bottles of Arrogant Bastard for <laughs> three bucks. And being, oh, wow. what, like 24 at the time, I see a giant bottle of beer called Arrogant Bastard. <laughs> I'm immediately like, all right, I need to buy this beer. It's $3. It's high in alcohol. It sounds awesome. And I tasted it. I'm like, wow, that's like way beyond <laughs> awesome. That's one of the best beers I've ever had. Um, and that was one of my first, you know, stepping stones into craft beer was that beer. Oh, and wow. 
you know, I never would have picked it up if it weren't for, like, the marketing aspect of it, though. Uh-huh. I mean, and, like, the whole idea that it was called Arrogant Bastard immediately makes someone pick it up off the shelf. And I'm, like, happy that that was my first beer that I really got uh, got heavily into. And then from there, I started picking up random uh, six-packs of different craft beers. Uh, they had, you know, back then, I think that my next one that I picked up and became really enthused with was, uh, Indian Brown Ale by Dogfish Head. They had that on base too, and a six pack of that was like five bucks. Oh, wow. So it was like, beer was so cheap on base uh-huh. that I never had any hesitations, and we had beers out there that were, I mean, I'd pick up, uh, bottles, they had Pizza Port beers on base, they had Alesmith beers on base, Lost Abbey, and then, you know, my wow. tastes began to evolve from, like, you know, straightforward IPAs to these really cool brown ales to all of a sudden into like sour beers. And it was like, wow, there's like so much out there to experience beyond like what I had in my college years at Edinburgh, you know, enjoying old German uh, cases, 30 pack cases for $5 <laughs> or $6, I think it was. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, there's a, there's a different world out there that I wasn't you know, used to. Yeah, I, I would say you're probably one of the only people I've talked to who would call Arrogant Bastard their uh, entry beer into craft beer. I think most people moving from cheap beer to craft beer would uh, would kind of be scared off by that, but that, that's interesting. I like it. Well, I loved the fact that you turn around the bottle and you read it and it says, you probably won't like this beer. And it's like, <laughs> all right, that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> nice. So, uh, kind of back to... Shoebrew, um, what, what were the first beers you guys made actually as Shoebrew? Well, about two years ago, we did a, uh, a food and beer pairing, which was to launch our Kickstarter campaign. Um, and so we did our own, like, cause Erica and I, my wife, who is, uh, the other owner for Shoebrew, we, uh, we used to go to savor every year savor is a uh, craft beer and food pairing hosted by the brewers association that's in washington dc every year and we had gone about three years in a row we loved the idea of going to a beer festival where they gave you a sample of food with your sample of beer Mm -hmm. um and so we hosted our own mini event like that where i brewed five beers for the event and thinking back so I had brewed the robust porter version of Murphy's Paw. Um, I had brewed Tilly's Gillies, which was our Wee Heavy. I had brewed Galosha Raptor, which mm-hmm. is a pale ale that we do, uh, that we f- that we finish in the boil kettle at the zero minute mark with uh, Valencia orange peel and pink peppercorns. And that adds a little level of complexity and you know, it, it takes it away from being a pale ale, but without being like a spice beer. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Great Valenki, which was our Imperial Russian Stout, which that was two years ago was the last time I brewed it until about two months ago, which is the batch that I currently have on tap. And then um, the fifth would have been, I can't remember, probably a version of Jungle Boot, which Jungle Boot's our IPA, which... Mm-hmm. I think is, you know, probably one that uh, stands out amongst the others as far as, you know, beers that people come in for. And that recipe had changed at least 30 times up until two weeks before we opened because I've 
had such a strong mindset towards like I'm not gonna open up a brew pub until we have an IPA that I think is like as good as I can make it because I just hate when breweries have an IPA on draft just so they can have an IPA and it's really more of an afterthought than anything else uh-huh. um, so we really wanted to go big with the hops and traditional like West Coast IPA where it's all on the nose and the palate and just super fresh tasting all the time so I worked on that recipe until right before we opened and uh, finally nailed it down. So a lot of those beers that we did at that original beer tasting were completely different than they are now. Well, it's funny. You mentioned the uh, Jungle Boot. That's actually what I'm drinking right now. And uh, yeah, I think it's an, an awesome IPA. I got the a lot of that West Coast kind of citrus you know, on, you. The, on the nose and in the taste. It's a real nice kind of cloudy gold color. Uh, just an all-around great great beer it's not a a real harsh hop profile either i think that's what i like about it. it's kind of carries through the whole you know from beginning to end it's not a not like an arrogant bastard where sure it's well it's a great beer but it kind of slaps you in the face with the hops it's one of the things that we decided upon with that beer uh through the course of like brewing it was that we don't need all the bitterness you know i mean that beer if you wanted to break it down per guidelines or whatnot it all it matches everything for an ipa uh in terms of ibus but we're really on the low end of ibus Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that i love talking to customers about is that you know ibus aren't everything with ipas anymore it used to be for a long time it was like you know what are the ibus how high are the ibus that doesn't really matter Uh, i agree really the the flavor and aroma is really what matters and so we had a very, very small amount of bitter hops to that beer, and we completely backload it. Um, I think we do about two pounds per barrel in the last 15 minutes of the beer, and maybe five ounces per barrel in the first 60 minutes. So, okay. I mean, we completely backload that beer, so it's super fresh tasting. Yeah, I get that totally, so that's... Probably one of my more favorite local IPAs. Thanks. I like it a lot. Appreciate that. Um, so you mentioned you, you really wanted to be a the owner of a brew pub and be able to get these beers out to people. Um, do you homebrew? Have you homebrewed? Is yeah. So, <laughs> so I knew that I needed to, to, to know how to brew in yeah. order to own a brewery because uh, I knew it was going to be like, you know, me and my wife for a pretty long time. Um, so I came home from San Diego. I moved back in with my parents. Uh, my first week back, I think my parents were like, you want to go anywhere for dinner? And at the time I'm like, yeah, let's go to church brew works. I'd like to check out one of the, you know, the Pittsburgh breweries. I hadn't been to any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never gone to East End. I'd never gone to church. I'd never gone to North country. And so my parents took me down to, uh, church brew works. We had dinner and, uh, on the way home, my dad's like, well, if you're going to do this brew pub, you need to know how to brew. It's like, yeah, that's probably a pretty good point. <laughs> so uh, on the way home on my phone, I went on Craigslist. I found someone who was selling all their old homebrewing equipment. And the next day I drove down to Oakland, bought it all, and I oh, wow. was brewing you know, twice a week since then. Um, brewed in their basement for a really long time. They didn't care for that because i made all sorts of messes so i ended up brewing at my buddy's house with all my equipment and lugging stuff around and just really self-taught the whole way through i've never really been like a member of like a like a club or 
you know, anything like that. I, everything I've done has, for the most part, been self-research and, I don't know, I, I, I spend most of my free time, which anymore is none, but yeah. I had a lot of free time in the past because I was working a normal 9-to-5 job. And all of that time was spent, like, reading pretty much every brewing periodical and book that you can imagine. And just trying to, like, tweak things and become, hopefully, a perfectionist. And in my, you know, I was trying to become a perfectionist. Certainly, I'm not, but <laughs> trying to get there. So I mentioned at the beginning of this that the reason I'm here today is because of Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week. And, uh... You know the the impact it has on small local brewers, even you know some of the bigger brewers. Uh, you're doing a couple things for them. Uh, you helped with a collaboration beer. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I wanted to really be involved in Craft Beer Week this year. Of course, this is the first year that we're open during yeah. Craft Beer Week, and so um, I started calling around. And last year we had done a, a collaboration with uh, we did it with Rock Bottom. North Country, All Saints, Hop Farm. And we did that at Rock Bottom, and that was the Fear of a Black Walnut Stout. Okay. Which uh, we thought was cool. That was a, a, a stout that we brewed with black walnuts because it's a locally sourced ingredient. Um, this year I wanted to do another one, and I reached out to Hop Farm because I knew that they were also a new brewery, and I'm like, hey, do you have anyone that you've teamed up with to do a... Uh, to do a collaboration beer with yet Matt's like no we haven't uh, you know haven't haven't met up with anyone yet so if you want to do something let me know I was like alright so my assistant brewer Krabby has just brewed a pretty amazing like Texas brown ale like, so like a super hoppy brown ale to the point where it was like it was a brown ale that had the hop profile of a IPA and so uh, he's like, that sounds cool to me. And then we got CoStar involved, who um, they're a newer brewery also, probably around the same size as us as far as batch size is, I, I believe that's right. And um, we tweaked the recipe. We toned down the hops a little bit. Um, and we, uh, we brewed it down at Hop Farm. And uh, I haven't heard a lot of feedback yet. We actually haven't run it at the pub except for the last three nights when we've done growler fills. So uh, this weekend, whenever it gets crowded in here, I'll probably start hearing the first of the feedback about what customers think about it and that sort of thing. But I'm super excited about it. I love the idea of collaboration and getting people's minds in. Um, I think we went with our grain bill for it, and um, I think Hop Farm and CoStar kind of worked on the hop profile and uh, – Matt, of course, did most of the work because he did it at his place and did the kegging and all that sort of stuff for us. So that was pretty awesome of him. Well, if, to be, I guess, one of the first to tell you what I thought of it because I had it while we were uh, yeah. while we were closing up today. Um, I, I definitely picked up the the hop forwardness of it. Um, def, you know, a lot more hop than I was expecting in uh, a brown ish type beer. Uh, not bad though; it was great. Um, and then, but I got a lot of that nutty flavor up front of like the, what you'd expect from like a brown ale. Sure. Uh, I thought it went amazing with that hops, um, and the bitterness really lasted through to the end. Cool. Uh, you know, my one of my complaints about not really liking brown ales is that sometimes they can seem a little bit bland. And, yeah. Uh, for a lot of people, they like that little more maltiness to them than than the hoppiness. But I thought that was an awesome balance of it. It was a 
real interesting approach at it. So cool, thank you. I thought all around, no complaints. Very cool. Um, so collaboration beer, awesome, and I agree with you. Um, Craft Beer Week's done, uh, I believe, twelve collaboration beers this year. So it's the up from I believe four or five. Yeah, last I year. it was so a, it's ton a pretty this year. Certain breweries doing multiple collaboration beers, two and three by some. Yeah, and that's. So. You know, part two of what I really think a, a craft beer week is about is that collaboration is, you know, people, breweries getting to work with each other. And it seems like in craft beer as a whole, that's one of the things that makes craft beer so great is, you know, breweries that'll lend pe- lend other breweries hops and help each other out with brewing. And it just, it's probably one of the most helpful industries that is such a fiercely competitive industry all together. Oh, know, there's so much craft beer out there, but even though there is, people are still so willing to help and work with each other that, you know, you would never see Apple invite Samsung into right. their factory <laughs> to help them build something just because it'd be cool. But you get brewers every day that are, you know, open arms welcoming other brewers into their, you know, yeah. into their digs to, it's, to make it's a beer. Such it's such a super great. cool industry in that, in that sense. I mean... You know, as many breweries are opening up around the Pittsburgh area, it still seems such a far-fetched idea that there's any sort of concept about, like, market saturation or anything like that. I mean, breweries are everywhere, and they're just there to help each other. We had an issue. I was brewing an oatmeal, or a, uh, rather, an oyster stout for Valentine's Day. Okay. And we wanted to kind of play off the idea of doing a, uh, like, a romantic beer and oysters being an aphrodisiac. We were like, Hmm. yeah, let's do an oyster stout, and we named it Shucker Gently. And (laughs) we get, you know, through the entire brew day, and I had been waiting on FedEx to deliver me my uh, yeast from Hawaii East, which was guaranteed that day, but I guess... FedEx had gotten delayed down somewhere in Kansas and wasn't able to give me my yeast. And I'm like, well, this is going to ruin my entire batch. And, you know, I just spent, you know, four hours shucking however many hundred oysters that we did and the whole thing. I'm like, I can't have this. So uh, Krabby picks up the phone and contacts um, Helltown because he has some, some friends and connections down there and called Sean down at Helltown. I was like, hey, man. We're uh we're kind of screwed. We don't have yeast, and he's like, "Dude, drive down here. We'll give you whatever you want." And he gave us a big pitch of fresh yeast and oh, saved wow. the beer. And it was like, "Yeah, that's so cool. You guys are like willing to help out and do stuff like that." So it's such a cool community. Oh yeah, I mean most most industries would just kind of laugh at you if you if you told them you had a problem with with something and say, "Ha ha, good luck," and right, you know that they had one up on you. But that's what I like about craft beer as a whole. I think it's great. Um, Absolutely. Sticking with the whole craft beer week idea, I think you guys are doing one of the most unique ideas for a craft beer week event. Um, I'm very good friends with the uh, the other portion of this. So you guys are doing a comic book and beer pairing. I, I think that's pretty wild. So what's that about? Yeah, so Todd McDevitt from New Dimension Comics had come to us and was like, yeah, so... We love your beer, and I see an opportunity, this is from his point of view, he said, I see an opportunity for, like, our clientele and your customers to kind of get together and do something that really nobody's doing, because a lot of the times the events for Craft Beer Week, you see, like, tap takeovers where a certain brewery will, you know, put a selection of beers all from the same brewery on tap, 
And uh, a lot of the same sort of thing, and seeing a lot of the really unique ones are few and far between, um, although that cereal and beer pairing that you're talking about this morning sounds pretty <laughs> pretty badass. It was unique. But, uh, <laughs> but Todd was like, yeah, so what do you think about the idea of doing a beer and comic book pairing? And my first thought was, well, I don't read comic books, and that sounds really, like, too bizarre to make any sense to me whatsoever. Then I went back and I remembered there was an article that I had read that a Detroit chef about three months ago had made a 12-course meal, and every course was meant to pair with a track from Radiohead's Kid A album. And I was like, that was pretty freaking amazing for for that guy to come up with. So if we can come up with a beer to pair with each, you know, comic book that Todd provides us, like that's equally as unique and cool in my opinion. So he brought me a stack of comics and was like, "See what you can do with these." So I start looking through and my, you know, my mind starts churning and we came up with some cool comic pairings and some cool uh some beers that we're going to have on. And we're super excited about it. You know, we're going to we're going to uh showcase it just like you know we would hope to hope people to enjoy and uh it seems like it's going to be a pretty pretty fun event you know we're, we've sold uh, a decent amount of tickets so far it's coming up on sunday so i expect to sell some more before the before the uh before the event and that sort of thing but you know it's it's it, it, it just really more than anything despite you know if it's successful or not it goes to show that there's like so much out there that you can do that just if you put your mind to it, the creativity levels are endless as far as uh, what you can do with craft beer. And, you know, it, it reminds me of um, Matt from Hop Farm. Matt Gowans was telling me about, you know, he made this Berliner Weiss. He made two collaboration beers this year. He made this Imperial Berliner Weiss, and he did the collaboration with a guy who pairs beers with movies. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that's so cool. And so, I mean, doing stuff like this is just totally different angle and just gives a unique approach i love it yeah and honestly i'd be here for that if uh if, if you weren't having it during the uh pittsburgh marathon because i'll be yeah that's uh, right <laughs> I, think I'll, I think i'll be near mile 20 26 about you the time you to uh, be yeah. near mile 26 Ho hopefully craft beer week hasn't hurt me enough that i won't <laughs> finish but right. yeah I'll, I'll be just about <laughs> near the end when you're starting so um so i back to shubrew itself um, you know, is there anything that, uh, you, you guys do that's a kind of a signature thing, like a hop profile, a yeast, uh, you know, a malt, uh, you know, some breweries kind of have their signature yeast. Is there anything you guys do that is real specific? Hmm. Um, <laughs> well, our specific thing is pretty much small batches. I mean, okay. that's kind of what makes us unique amongst anyone else. We don't because of our size, that allows us to be more playful than other breweries, I feel. Okay. Um, we're not tied down to budgetary restraints in the slightest. So if I conceptualize a beer that is the craziest thing in the world, we can do it because it's going to cost me the same as it's going to do. Uh, it's going to cost me to do a different, you know, beer that we have on all the time. Um, we always use fresh pitches of yeast, and so I always pick yeast strains that are appropriate for whatever beer that I'm going to be doing. Okay. Um, we don't cultivate yeast. We don't have a lab. I mean, we're, I've got seven two-barrel fermenters, and my brew system is a half-barrel brew system. So 
literally we brew four batches to fill one fermenter. Oh, wow. Um, there are weeks, and next week's going to be one of them, where we're going to be doing 20 to 25 batches of beer between Monday and Wednesday. Huh. So we brew nonstop. We turn the system on, like, Monday at 7 a.m., and it doesn't shut off sometimes until, like, Thursday at 7 a.m. Sundays we keg. Thursday, Friday, Saturday we're open. So, I mean, we don't stop working in here, but we just, I mean... Yeah, I mean, that that's what makes us unique. We don't have, like, a house yeast strain. We don't have, you know, a certain type of malt. We try to buy our malts and our hops and our yeast all to match our styles. And okay. just, uh, I guess, our water is always the same. Yeah. But <laughs> aside from that, no, I mean, you know, our thing is small batches, and that's kind of what makes us unique. Okay. Um so that I guess that's kind of plays into what I was going to ask you next. Uh, what is your brewing setup like? What do you use to brew with? So the system itself is actually a uh, Sabco Brew Magic system, okay. which is the pilot system that Dogfish Head uses. Hmm. Um, and it's a half barrel system. It's made out in an, uh, in Toledo, Ohio. It's basically made from three converted. It's made from three converted uh, Sankey kegs, and it's got a uh, it's a rim system. So it's got a recirculating mash that's all controlled through electric, and we can dial the mash in. So we get professional level results on a very very small system. I mean, there are home brewers that I know that have a system that can do the same stuff that ours can. Mm -hmm. um, but it's cool the way that we have it plumbed together and everything. You know, we run water lines. It sits right in our kitchen. So it's not a whole lot to look at, but it sits in our kitchen. We've got it plumbed up so it'll fill water automatically. We've got it plumbed down to the basement. So, you know, we're not running buckets of wort downstairs <laughs> and dumping it into the fermenters. Everything, yeah. we pump downstairs right into the fermenters. We pitch the yeast. It's a completely sealed system, so it's very sanitary. Um... But, yeah, that, that also provides a lot of constraints, you know. So whenever – right now I've got two Imperial beers flowing. I've got our Noah Mano Rye, which is a rye IPA that dials in at around 10.5% alcohol. And I've got our Great Valenki Imperial Stout on right now, which is around 11. And, um, you know, obviously a 15.5-gallon mash ton can only hold so much grain. Yeah. So instead of being able to do – Four batches to fill one fermenter, or three batches to fill one fermenter, depending on, on which beer we're doing and that sort of thing. You know, we'll be doing five or six batches to fill one fermenter, so they yeah. take twice as long to do, and, um, but time isn't an issue for us. We're really all about making the best beers that we can, and we'll spend as much time and money to do it as we have to do, because uh, we just really want to showcase some of the some of the cool beers that you can get around Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think that's a problem with a lot of breweries eating. I mean, no matter their size, you know, the the big beers take forever to to sit and ferment, and you know, no matter how big the brewery is, that space is valuable. So yeah, we're unbelievably fortunate that you know we're not tied into a distributor contract where we're required to have certain beers on at certain times and have it ready for for distribution and and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it it's so much fun right now, like. It doesn't matter how much work it is, which it's a ton of work to do. Yeah. We're so, so happy that we're able to do whatever we want to do. I mean, 
We've been on. We've been open since September 13th of uh, 2013, and I've had 45 different beers on draft since then. So I mean, we're we're pumping them out. We and we do have a pretty strong rotation of beers that we always have on. So our Jungle Boot, it's always on. Our Galoshiraptor, I'd say it's on 50% of the time. Our Pale 210 is on the other 50% of the time. We either always have Murphy Brown or Murphy's Pot. So we have some constant beers, mm-hmm. but we're pumping out the specialty beers too. And, you know, the, just the now that it's coming to the summertime, it's our first summer, I'm so excited for the fact that we're going to have some really cool, like, local ingredients start, you know, starting to to bloom and get ready for harvest. So, I mean, we're, uh, I'm looking for peaches in July, and we're going to mm. do, like, a smoked peach ale with... Oh, wow. Uh, bourbon and maple syrup and that's going to be a light beer too so that's going to be you know something totally different and uh we're working on a whole bunch of different stuff we're doing um we have a beer that we always do called mosaic marathon which is a session pale ale with all mosaic hops we're going to do it with red jalapenos next month if we can get the jalapenos otherwise we're talking ghost peppers so we're going to do some different stuff we're doing our murphy's pop porter with uh aged on toasted coconut so we're gonna try some different stuff out now that we can start to get some better ingredients and that sort of thing and just keep playing with it and trying to keep people interested for sure so to kind of wrap this up uh what um you know, what what are your future plans like do you have anything any special beers you were thinking about in the next say six months other than you know a couple of the summer beers or in the next year that you're hoping to get to yes any upgrades to the the brew pub or anything like that yeah hopefully i mean we're, we're as far as future beers go there are some beers that we've been wanting to do that we haven't had the time to do yet but since we've added more fermenters and stuff we're going to start setting time aside we realized people really always want to have at least one imperial option on draft um so we're really trying to focus on at least having one all the time the no woman no rye the rye ipa has gone over extremely well but uh like next month, for example, we're gonna we're gonna brew up our uh, barley one for the first time, and that's called Glutinous Maximus. Hmm. And um, trying to think if there was anything else fun that we were talking about doing. Oh yeah, we're gonna get from Sorgel's uh, Orchards. We're gonna get some fresh wet hops, and we're gonna do a whole series of wet hop beers. Oh wow! Uh, as soon as you know, probably around August or September time frame. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And so we'll probably do, you know, take some of our beers that that we dry hopped normally and do a wet hop version of them. So I'm thinking like Jungle Boot wet hopped and that sort of thing. And as far as future plans for the brewery goes, I mean, we have eight tables in our restaurant plus a 13-person bar. And we can't make enough room in this place to fit all the people that are trying to get in, which is amazing for us. And we're unbelievably fortunate and so, like grateful for it but it's really put us in a position that we weren't expecting to be in just yet so i mean at this point you know we've been open for eight months and we're already like actively looking at you know expansion plans and trying to uh you know either move into a bigger facility or somehow make this facility bigger or uh you know any number of options that we have general plans for yet but we're we're actively looking to see what we need to do as far as uh, as far as that goes, but we definitely know we need to start making more mm. beer and open up more hours. So, hey, more is always better, right? 
well, as yeah. long as you can keep it, you know, in high quality, yeah, more exactly. is always better. Well, Zach, thanks a lot for taking the time today. I know you guys are busy, like you said. It's uh, nonstop brewing, so I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to talk to me, especially during Craft Beer Week. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming out. It was a pleasure sitting down and chatting. I always love to to BS about beer and, and that sort of thing, so... I always tell people the same thing. There's one thing I could do for a while. It's talk about beer. Yeah, (laughs) nonstop. (laughs) Well, thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hopefully everyone in the Pittsburgh area, uh, you know, get out, check out Shoe Brew. Um, If you're not, come out here on vacation. It's it's a pretty good good time. A lot of good beer. Uh, Zach, thanks again. Uh, Everyone else, until next time, cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast. Make sure to check out craftbeeracademy.com for more information and to give feedback on today's show. Don't forget to watch the next episode live on Google Plus Hangouts or YouTube by going to craftbeeracademy.com slash live dash show.